Xavier Smith is a certified relationship coach. He has spent the last three years with hundreds of clients and the majority of them are women. I think the man needs to understand the woman that he's with and figure out what her idea of leadership is instead of just assuming that every woman wants the same kind of man. With methods proven successful, Xavier continues to educate the masses with a TikTok following of over 500,000 people and an Instagram following of over 150,000. A lot of guys I've seen assume that if the woman shows you attention, automatically she's interested. Maybe she just wants to have a conversation. And that's led a lot of women to not feel always comfortable with just talking to any guy or looking at him for longer than five seconds because what if he gets the wrong impression that I might like him? Why can't we just have a conversation? Xavier wants to change the way we look at modern dating and relationships so we can work in harmony. I've made a video saying the friend zone isn't real and a lot of guys definitely pushed back on that and said the friend zone is real, not just for guys, but for women alike. You know, like this is something that we go through, like there's a lot of hardship. And I'm like, wait a minute, hardship for what you're choosing? Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. Xavier Smith, my man, great to have you here on the Modern Warrior Podcast. I somehow stumbled across your page there several weeks ago, and I've had women on this podcast who are dating and relationship coaches for men and I knew there was someone out there I knew there was a man out there who would be a relationship or dating coach for women I was like where is this this guy because they bring in a very different perspective on dating and relationships when you're talking or working with the opposite gender and here you are so I finally found you man and uh, I was going through your content and your Instagram some brilliant information there now obviously i'm a guy but even from listening and watching you i've learned so much about women and i think that's a great thing for men to know as well like obviously you you work with women help them through their dating and their relationships and breakups and things like that there but by communicating the women men are also going to pick up on on your your content in order to improve their communication and their relationships with women so it's great stuff and thank you the first question for you is, can you bring me back to a time where maybe you didn't have this information and knowledge about women or dating or relationships and and how did you begin to sort of learn or cultivate these lessons over your life having dated women and, and being involved with women in your in your in your own life? Oh yeah, no, absolutely, of course. And thank you. And I'm appreciative to be here. So um, I could definitely get into um, how you can lose uh, <laughs> potential relationships that you might have wanted to work out. And I think it's important that we reflect, you know, and our first go-to is normally to blame the other person or to point the finger, you know, something goes wrong, it was the other person's fault, right? And that seems to be a common uh, defense or coping mechanism amongst most people. So 
once I had enough situations not work out, I uh, started to really reflect. I It was just too much. And the people that I was surrounded by, you know, mostly the guys would tell me, oh, no, bro, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You know, you just find the next one, get five more. It was always go to the next one. It was not always look in, right? And clearly they weren't exactly educated on how to do that. So once I started to go through counseling and I started to meet uh, therapists that were women, I started to gain a little bit more perspective on what it meant to do things from the other side, right? So at my perspective, the other person's perspective, and once I put down my ego and I put down my pride, it seems like I was able to effectively communicate. And it was something that I hadn't been missing all along um, based on how I was raised. So that's when I kind of started going down the road of, okay, I need, I could do this better, but first I'm going to need to start taking accountability and learning how to walk in those footsteps before I even decide to pursue a relationship because without that, there's no growth. So what did, what did that process look like? So it started with, <laughs> and you know, my counsel would laugh because um, I am one of the most stubborn people you can ever meet. Like you tell me I'm wrong about something, I will fight you till the end until I'm like, okay, you won, my life is horrible now. So the process is when you're in a situation that you find out there's a conflict, there is a triggered sense of um, reacting and you don't know why this happened. You may not understand fully. You may feel down or you may feel upset or you may feel like the world is coming to an end, right? The first thing you want to do is take a minute to think, right? How did I get to this moment? What does this mean? How does this align with who I am as a person? And let's talk about me first. Because like I said, our number one is to just look at the other person. But if we start to look at ourselves, we'll realize over 90% of what happens to us is because of us, right? But if you don't learn that, then not only will you not understand what happened here, but you may potentially keep repeating the same cycle going from person to person. So sometimes I say, yeah, I mean, stuff doesn't work out and that's unfortunate, but sometimes that's your greatest opportunity because that gives you the chance to learn what things have been brought out of you that you wouldn't like to see in the next situation. So learning about yourself is how I took accountability. And that's when I said, okay, this situation, although not necessarily good or bad, wasn't good for me. So now I need to take that and align with an even better person for me and let that other person go and not villainize always the other person. Cause that's another thing we do. We're so quick to villainize a person. Oh, this person was bad. They were horrible. They're a terrible person. And then if you look at it, it's like, what, just because they didn't like you? <laughs> just because they didn't exactly want to do what you wanted to do all the time? So it doesn't make them a bad person. You had some deal breakers and they had some deal breakers and you didn't exactly align or see eye to eye. The reactions are arbitrary, but what you want to do is have fewer reactions and more perspective, right? Or I guess introspection. Yeah. Because when you villainize the other person, then you become the victim. And then the other person has full control and power over your behaviors and your your life ultimately. It's I'm 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 in this situation because of because of her or because of him. And you're not taking ownership and responsibility for what you've allowed to happen in this in this circumstance. So Exactly. What have you seen as some of the of, of the common barriers there when it comes to women and dating and the relationships with men so 
And the common barriers for women that I've seen are their triggers, right? Because in society, it's normally culturally, the man makes the first move, right? That's what we've been accustomed to. A lot of us have grown up around that. Man makes the first move. Woman decides if the man is, I guess, worthy of her stand, meeting her standards. Let's say that meeting her standards. So the problem is that if the man is not meeting her standards and he starts to act like he's trying to meet her standards, sometimes there isn't always a clear discernment or over whether he's a good or a bad man, especially depending on her circumstances, upbringing, um, what may have happened in the past. And she's trying to clearly see, okay, is this man what I need moving forward? Or is he a representation of something toxic that might've happened to me in the past and that I haven't healed from? So sometimes I've seen that be the issue. And then, you know, people are so quick to judge women and say, oh, well, you just pick bad guys, right? You just pick terrible men. You don't know. You just like that. And they just label her behaviors in a box. Like all women universally do things for the same reasons with the same, the odds of that are impossible. So I started to realize a lot of it were triggered for different reasons. Like maybe there was an abandonment wound. Maybe there's a self-esteem. Maybe there's a, a lack of accountability, right? There's so many different reasons. Same reasons that men make the decisions they do to meet certain women that don't make them feel good, but they still continue to pursue them, right? And you see that all the time. So I think as an overall society, we're all, a lot of us are facing this wall of understanding ourselves before we get into dating. And when we get into dating, looking at those triggers as opportunities to grow from. So that's what I've seen be an issue. There is a lot of uh, misconceptions over what a woman finds attractive in a man as well, isn't there? Like, such as all women like bad guys or bad boys, for example. Always, always. Yeah, so so what, are some, what are some of those misconceptions that are still being portrayed there in society, you feel? Yeah, so they're saying that, um, that girls go after just bad boys that treat them bad, right? Like that is a lot of what I hear in the horizon and that um, they date men that don't exactly have quality or substance or true standards, but then... If you look at it, it's not that they're purposely choosing these men all the time. Because here's the thing, like, if you listen to what women say, right? And this is something that we can agree on as a society, I feel like. They say they want to change him, right? And you hear that, like, oh, if he just changed a few things. Well, at the same time, is there true love if you need to change a person? You know, so it's like the change... And that's when the change is perceived incorrectly, because if you're working so hard to outsource change, and that's what I say, we try to outsource change, where we say the other person needs to make the changes instead of us making the changes, because it's easier to get them to do the changes that we want, right? But in actuality, we need to do a better job of healing ourselves to not align with this person that we need to change to begin with. So if we do a better job of understanding our growth, and what happened to us, then we won't feel so compelled to match with a person that we feel like we need to generate change from. We'll just align with a person that's more like us. Maybe there's a few improvements or adjustments, but it won't be an overall change because then the person is not who they are anymore. Now you created a whole different person. And 
this is one thing that I've seen be kind of like a misconception of what's actually happening as opposed to, you know, what society thinks is happening and we're mislabeling it. So I also think, and there's one more thing, a lot of people tell women, oh, you should just leave that guy, right? If it, it be so bad, why don't you just walk away? But if you actually open up and listen without judging the woman and say, hey, do you know what? Just tell me what's really going on. Like, why do you really like this guy? What is it? And you listen without getting triggered or judging her or calling her out. You'll hear the true reasons behind what's going on here. There's a sense of security. There's a sense of, I don't feel like I'm alone anymore, right? He love bombed me. He overcompensated. It made me feel like I got the love that I never had before. So not saying that's a reason to deal with something that's below your standard, but at the same time, it's understandable that this would fill a gap for you. So what we have to do is work on filling that void rather than trying to just make the guy go away. Because even if we make the guy go away, the repetitious cycle will continue in most cases. Do you believe that that void needs to be filled outside of a relation with somebody else? Or can this be a process where two people can come together and potentially fill that void? Yeah, I think the void should not rely on another person. I think a person should be an added bonus and not your purpose or not your filler, because that means that it is probably something unhealthy at that point, the void and where it comes from, right? So if you don't fill that with something productive or something that brings positivity to your life, or that's a little bit more healthy in that regard, then you will always rely on a person to fill it. So let's say the person does something, right? The relationship has changed. The standard has been dropped and you are maintaining your standard. If you need that void filled, more than likely you will deal with it because this person, this feeling might need to be lonely, right? I'm not lonely anymore. And that's a need that I have. So I'm going to stick with them to stop myself from feeling alone. And now you're dealing with the stuff that they're making you deal with instead of saying, you know what? I'm okay with being alone. So if you don't match my standard, I will exit the situation, right? So that's what happens when you don't fill the void is you end up relying on the person, no matter how unhealthy they may become. Yeah. I find that from a lot of men I work with that they get into relationships for all the wrong reasons to fill a void, as you mentioned, and then the relationship breaks down as it inevitably will do <clears throat> for those reasons. And again, there's commitment being made that could be married, there's kids involved, and it's not just a matter of them becoming aware of this void and then beginning to work on it. Although they have raised their own standards and healed themselves within, they still stay in that relationship or that marriage because of the level of commitment or because of the responsibilities of the children and all, all of this. Whereas we could logically say you need to exit now and find someone that's more aligned with your with your life and with your values, with your new form values. How do you negotiate or how do you navigate that when it comes to the women you work with and to, because of the commitment that's involved? Like again, there's probably shame what that too. If a, if a, if a marriage breaks down, for example, or the kids have a broken home, quotation marks broken home. It's a broken home in the home. Maybe it's a healthier home outside the home. 
how do you how do you begin to help a woman through that process? Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of women, you know, get the stigma online that I've seen that they're all just trying to leave marriages just to leave, right? And I hear dudes say it all the time, like, oh, women leave more than men, divorce rate is high. But, you know, rarely in the women I come across that they actually want to leave. In fact, from the women I've seen, they fight tooth and nail not to leave. And they're trying to be the best they can for the situation and to accommodate it. But the problem is that in the household, there's a lack of communication and effort from the male side. So the woman, clearly she will have her own stuff that she needs to deal with, but she's effectively communicating most of the time and the guy is not. So they'll say, okay, how much am I supposed to realistically deal with here if you're not communicating with me? So now there's, there's mistreatment, now there's disrespect, now there's disloyalty, and all these things are starting to culminate from the fact that the man is not effectively communicating his emotions. And I've seen a lot of men live under this stigma that, oh, we can't talk about our emotions. We can't express ourselves because then we'll be weak. And it's like, I think there's a difference between being a crybaby and, you know, talking about how you feel, you know, in an assertive slash calm way, right? There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, calmly, I don't like the way this feels. This is how it's going for me. I'm going to need some changes. So to answer your question, the the women face a lot of cultural and societal stigmas where they need to be in the household, which is like a stereotype, or they need to be the caretakers or the nurturers. They need to be the ones that, you know, basically are the glue, the emotional support and the glue and be a man's peace. When in actuality, a lot of men need to be those things as well. You can't just have the women acting in one specific role without having the man accommodate. This is not the 1920s anymore, right? So I think it's important to intertwine both genders in both roles and stop looking at one as has to be this way, unless that's what you two agreed on in your marriage. But rarely is it ever going to be just one person acting a certain way. It's a, it's a, it's a job for both, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as one person is raising their standards, it may actually inspire the other person to, to do the same. Exactly. Yeah. So, but then it's often being communicated that men should take the lead with that as well. Men should be the one that's standing up, taking responsibility, and as I said, taking the lead on, on these type of difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Good point. Oh, were you asking me? I was like, <laughs> I was, yeah, it was just your opinion on that, yeah. So I think the man needs to understand the woman that he's with and figure out what her idea of leadership is, you know, instead of just assuming that every woman wants the same kind of man, right? Because there's so many different types of women and there's so many different types of needs from each woman. And I think that if we get our communication a lot better, then we can take the time to understand what type of leader is she looking for in a man? Is she looking for a man to call all the shots, pay all the bills, be all everything? Or is she looking for a man that's going to consider her before he makes a decision? But maybe nine out of 10, she will be okay with going along with what he chooses, but she just needs to know that she is considered first. And that's more commonly what I've seen where they say, yes, I want a man to lead, but I want the man to also consult with me for first before making any decision 
because out of respect to me, right? But I think that's something that we need to learn through communicating with every woman individually and every man. Because some women don't really care much for a man taking the total lead. Sometimes they want to be the equal partner and make decisions as well as him. So mm. there's so many different variables. Which is why you need to get to know yourself. Yes. Exactly. We, we talk a lot about good communication and, and relationships. What does good communication look like? Can you describe it? Um, vulnerability and being able to adequately communicate that without getting triggered, right? Without feeling like you can be, you know, because I mean, I think that people are afraid of communication a lot of the times because they're afraid of the potential shaming that can come from it or um, the judgment, the fear that, oh my goodness, if this person knows about me, will they use it against me? Will they look at me differently? But that's what we want. We want to give the person the opportunity to show that side because if they do, then you know the person is not for you, right? If I tell you um, I love rom-coms and now you're saying, oh, what kind of guy likes rom-coms? Then maybe you're not the person for me, right? Because the fact that you're judging me as a guy and saying I should only watch action movies all the time, then that's not exactly what I'm looking for, right? I'd like to think that I'm I'm multifaceted and, and multidimensional, right? Like there's tons of things I could like and still be a guy. Um, so I think that communication is saying, I'm willing to tell you things that I need, you know, calm and collectively and understanding that they may not result in what I think I want to hear back, but that's okay. Because regardless, as long as we get the truth out there and we put that out on the table, we'll have a further understanding of if we even want to work with each other or not. Very good. You've got a book there, Five Toxic Dating Styles. It's the first post on your Instagram, so check that out, everyone. Can you give us a bit of an insight? Yeah, so the five toxic dating styles, when I thought of it, I put myself in the mindset of the five love languages. Um, So understanding your love languages, I know that was a buzz thing for a while. So in the five toxic dating styles, I basically found a commonality between why most people react the way they do. So the five triggers that cause people to not act the way they want to act in a relationship. And I think that since marriage is something that's literally one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life, then maybe we should take it a little bit more serious to educate ourselves and why we act the way they do, why we respond the way we do, and why things are not working out all the time. So So in the book, there are things that we tell ourselves that are not the truth. So for example, someone says, I'm such a giver, right? I'm sure you probably heard that. Oh man, I I give, I give so much. I can't help it. It's in my nature. It's in my culture. It's in my upbringing. And then giver is a normalized word. Because when you think of the word giver, you think of a positive, right? Most of the time, like, oh, someone's very giving. That's great. But then when you see their relationships aren't working out because they're giving, then there's another side to this. Because then I would ask, how giving are you? And most of the time people will tell me, I'm just endlessly giving. That's just me as a person. But then when I say, okay, you gave this much and now the person didn't give back and that's what started you down this road of feeling disappointed. Why are you disappointed if you're a giver? And they're like, well, because a person should just know to give back. And it's like, well, who made that rule? Because 
last I checked, a giver is someone that can give without feeling the need for reciprocity. So like, for example, I know you've heard of the, the nice guy, right? Like, oh, such a nice guy. And nice guys, they get riled up when you talk about them. But the real, a nice guy, the reason why there's a fear there is because this person is giving to receive. So there's a difference. You can't really have boundaries if you're just giving, 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 and you're saying, okay, I gave you 10 things. Now I'm going to need my one back, right? I'm going to need it back. I'm going to give everything you want just to get what I want. So you're not even being authentic. You're not even being yourself. You're just doing whatever the person you think the person wants to get something out of them, which is a, a transactional arrangement. So and that the person hasn't even signed up for and you're claiming that you're just this nice guy walking the planet that every girl should want. And you see why women end up going with men that may not be what you consider to be the nicest guy, but at least they're authentic and saying, hey, I'm if I'm messed up, I'm going to tell you straight up. So women are leaning more towards honesty because they're having trouble finding guys that are kind and honest about who they are. So it's either they have one or the other. Either they get the nice guy that's going to, you know, I guess, lie to you, or they have the not so nice guy where at least he's honest. So they know what they're dealing with. So this is where we are. <laughs> yeah. The, the truth is not always nice, but at least it's authentic and it's real. Exactly. Mm. So bringing it back to a dating scenario. Now that you have so much knowledge and information on women here, <laughs> <laughs> what, what should the ideal approach be when it comes to that first initial date or the first type of exchanges when a man meets a woman? So I, you know, and I would desperately love to just break a lot of cultural norms, you know, um, because I think a lot of, and I said this on another podcast, actually, I think a lot of the way that we view dating as, because uh, dating itself, for example, a, a social construct, right? Love, the word love social construct and the way we've looked at it for so many decades has clearly needed to be revised over time, right? Because back in the 1920s, when a woman couldn't work and the man was the head of the household, that was an arrangement, right? No matter what. So we acted as such. In today's society, a lot of women are able to match a man financially and work-wise and get jobs and I mean, most of my greatest jobs have been hired by women. So now that things have changed, we're on a more equal platform. So now one can't really dominate the other as much, right? So instead of taking the old school route, which is fine, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you guys are looking for, I think we should focus more on getting to know each other. So approaching dating should be like approaching a friendship, you know, and it should be very casual as like, Okay, I met someone at Starbucks. Hey, I like your shoes. Hey, you're pretty cool. Let's let's hang out sometime. You know, why not? It should be very matter of fact. Because if you start going head on, I'm going to date you. Like, and I see guys, uh, the ladies, a lot of my clients, they send me DMs of these guys being overly aggressive, right? Oh, well, what are you doing this weekend? And they, he hasn't even asked her her name. He hasn't even asked her what she likes. What's her favorite song? What's her favorite color? He just assumes that she wants to date. And he's going in and that's our culture, right? We've been told chase the women, go after the women, go hard. But what we need to do is slow down, right? Let's get to know her. Let's see if she's even someone that we'd like to share a dating arrangement with. 
Because last I checked, I don't want to eat food in front of somebody that I don't even know if I want to have a conversation with. So I think if we slow down a little bit and get to know people for who they are and take a more equal approach in the beginning as friends, we will have a lot more of a positive outcome. There won't be so much pressure to show up as these traditional roles or as these things that we think we should be. We'll just be friends and then we'll truly know each other instead of trying to project what we think is good onto each other, if that makes sense. Do women also feel that sense of pressure to sleep with a man quite so, soon after a couple of dates or even the first date? Do they feel that pressure? Um, yes. Yeah, they do. They they feel it um, because what happens now, they don't always do it, <laughs> but they definitely feel like if they engage with a man, that is a concern for them, right? Because they're like, okay, this guy is in my inbox coming at me with all this, all these words, and he's trying so hard to get me on a date instead of getting to know me. They can already start to filter out the fact that he might be the type to push for getting in bed too quickly, right? So that's why a lot of them have been, you know, I guess, I don't know, they've kind of drifted away from just answering any old DM and talking to any old guy. Like there would probably be a lot more guy-girl friendships if there wasn't such a push for that one thing. And it kind of has, you know, shifted society a little bit where it's become driven in that direction where it feels like, okay, well, this is the confirmation that we're good, right? Like a guy does certain things and he has to get that sleeping arrangement. And that kind of takes away from the potential of the relationship because now you solidified whatever behavior has led to this point. But if that was your number one goal, then we were already starting off on a problem because your goal should be to relate to the woman, to get to know her, to see if she could be a best friend and a life partner. And you're so worried about sleeping with her. And then what happens I've seen is a lot of guys will judge the women. If the woman lets down her guard kind of early, she finds them attractive. She wants to sleep with him. And then he's like, okay, well now I view you as a different kind of woman. And that's not always good because it's like, wait, why, why can't she just be like you? Why couldn't it be you were attracted? She were attracted. How are you going to place this double standard when you were the one who arranged it as well? So now you're saying she's at fault for an action that you asked her to do. Like it, it's, 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 it gets so twisted, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there is the hookup culture that's prevalent at the moment as well, isn't it? That's, that's massive. Oh yeah. Like, and you know, here's the thing. Nothing wrong with hooking up. I am not going to shame anyone that wants to hook up, that wants to have their fun and do their thing, right? We are humans, we're people, we do what we want. My whole thing is to just be honest about it. It's when the lying comes into the picture. Oh, I want a relationship. I want all these things. That's why I'm doing this so early. Or, you know, it's if we could just be honest with ourselves, like for example, most of my clients that I work with, I ask them, because they, they get that question from a guy. The guy will say, okay, well, let's hang out this weekend, right? Let's go on a weekend trip. And they've been dating for two or three weeks. So the woman will ask me, like, should I sleep with him? And I'll say, well, you need to ask yourself this question. If you sleep with him, right, after three weeks, if he were to leave tomorrow, do you think that you've given it enough time where you feel like you would be okay with him walking away tomorrow? And number two, do you view sleeping with him as recreational? It's like a handshake. It's just something we do. 
or do you view it as a bonding activity that you do during a relationship or to get into a relationship? Nine out of 10, the woman will say, I look at this as a relationship process. So then I'll say, okay, well then, do you think three weeks is long enough for him to walk away tomorrow? Do you feel like that was enough time to say, well, at least I tried my best because we're not always guaranteed an outcome, right? And I say this on my social media all the time. We can do the work, we can try, but the outcome is arbitrary. So the best we could do is say, did we put in the work and did we do the best vetting system we have? And then she'll say no. And I'll say, well, then you'll probably want to wait longer according to your standard. Because I never want to tell them what to do. I never want to project my own ideas onto them. I just want to give them that option. And nine out of 10, the women, they always know what they want. They always know what they're looking for. They know what they want. And they just need to be solidified. They just need that that reassurance. But that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. And then sort of go, going back to the uh, slowing down the dating process and establishing a friendship before a relationship. Right. How do men avoid falling into the friend zone then? I wouldn't worry about that. You know, because this is going to sound like totally different from what you've heard. In my opinion, I think that if you fall into the friend zone, then that wasn't the person for you. Because if you can't build a friendship with a woman and then naturally see that this could potentially lead to something more, then it wasn't meant to be. Because if you have to force it to make it into a relationship, if you have to force maneuvers that don't feel natural to you in order to make this go where it needs to go, then that's not you. If you fall into the friend zone, which I don't exactly you know believe in all the time, because see, here's the thing. The friend zone is what you choose to be in, right? If you're saying that you're attracted to this woman and your whole reason for this friendship is based off of attraction, then that's on you because maybe you shouldn't be friends with the woman that you're attracted to in the first place, right? If you can't eliminate that attraction, if you can't say, okay, this is a pretty girl, she's nice, she has great things going for her, but unfortunately, I'm not the guy for her. But we can still be cool, right? You have to want a friendship without letting the attraction be your driving factor for the friendship. People can be attractive, but that doesn't always mean that we have to have them. That starts an entitlement type of mindset, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm attracted to you, so therefore it should turn into a relationship. If it doesn't, you're playing with me. No, they're not playing. Maybe they're just not attracted, but they're cool with you. Like, it's okay. Like, we don't have to have everything work out the way we want it to. And, and then use trigger words like friend zone to say, oh, this person is, is lying to me. This person is dragging me through the mud. You're actively choosing to still hang with this person every day, knowing full and well it's been a couple months and they haven't given you any passes for a relationship level, right? So maybe you should divide your attention. Maybe you shouldn't focus so much on one person. Maybe you should get clear, defined answers before you start to see hope. Right. Instead of saying, oh, well, this person is attractive and there's some kind of chemistry here. Did they actually say they wanted a relationship with you? Did they actually say they wanted to date you? A lot a lot of guys I've seen assume that if the woman shows you attention, automatically she's interested. Maybe she just wants to have a conversation. And that's led a lot of women to not feel always comfortable with just talking to any guy or looking at him for longer than five seconds. Because what if he gets the wrong impression that I might like him? Why can't we just have a conversation? Hmm. So men and women can be friends, in your opinion? Yes, I think they can, because I think that 
their um the, the need to feed the attraction is what often breaks it right because it's like if i can't feed my need my attraction towards you if i can't get a relationship or some type of reciprocation on an affectionate level then i can't be friends with you you see how that sounds because if you think about it with bros i mean i do i have fun with my bros i'll buy them drinks I'll go out to a dinner. I'll buy all my bros dinner, right? We'll watch movies together. We'll hang out. I don't think I deserve anything from them. I do it out of the kindness of my heart. Now, if you look at women in that same aspect and say, okay, well, maybe we're not going to get to that level, but it doesn't mean we can't be buddies and vice versa, right? We can't both spoil each other. We can't both hang out and just look at things and say, hey, maybe we can help each other out in some way, right? I think if we look at it without the emotional aspect, a lot of people can be friends. Now, will they? That's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Yeah, that, that, that's why you're here, man, because uh, you do have a fresh perspective on a lot of these things that are being thrown around on social media and the different ideas out there. And has, has there been a particular idea or a particular thought that you have put out there that's received a lot of pushback, criticism from, from people in that arena? Has there been one in particular? Um, oh, definitely guys. Um, I've had, I've had pushback from guys because for example, like I made a video saying the friend zone isn't real. And a lot of guys definitely pushed back on that and said the friend zone is real, not just for guys, but for women alike, you know, like this is something that we go through. Like there's a lot of hardship and I'm like, wait a minute, hardship for what you're choosing. Like, here's the thing. I'm not saying that it doesn't suck, but <laughs> If you're actively making that decision without any clarity or any of the person telling you what they want or what they're looking for, then that sounds like more of a you thing than a them thing. And it sounds like you're projecting your insecurity onto them or you're projecting your entitlement onto them saying you're the bad person for not choosing me, right? In this elevated way. What if your wife isn't this woman, right? What if she's attractive and she's nice, but she's just not the woman for you? What if there's another woman that's going to be attractive and nice and she's going to be the woman that you're looking for? So we're saying that we just know what's there for us instead of just entertaining the fact that, you know, we could have an equal arrangement and not look at each other that way. Or maybe I did, right? Maybe I was attracted to this woman, but she wasn't attracted to me. So why would you want a woman that's not attracted to you anyway? Shouldn't that be fed into your need for a relationship that she finds you attractive to? And that's when I talk again about entitlement, right? Like, why do I feel like you have to like, you have to like me or you have to give to me a relationship? And I don't even know if you even want me. So I'm already thinking with my minds and I've already created a scenario where we're working out. And then they say that women do that, right? And this has been a back and forth. A women create these relationships in their heads, right? They create these situations and they build it up bigger and better than what it actually is. And women get the heat for that all the time. But I see men do the same thing. Men think that, oh, if I take you out to a certain number of dinners, some men, not all men, I see some men say, if I take you out to a certain amount of dinners, a certain amount of dates, then there should be some type of specific reciprocation in return. I should get a relationship. I should get your affection or a text back. Then when they don't get a text back, they're like, she used me. And it's like, but the second you chose to take this woman out, you knew that every day, every second of every day, she's still actively choosing you, which she could choose not to, right? That's in the relationship. 
that's in a marriage, that's in everything in life. You can't, you can't just expect her to just think I'm going to be one way, regardless of how things go, right? You can try, but she can choose no, just like a man can. And I think men don't realize they can exercise that as well. They stay, so, they stay stuck on a woman that may not be the woman for them. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? This just isn't for me. I've sent you 10 DMs. You're not answering me. Why don't I just DM someone else? Why don't I just let you go? Why do I have to stay stuck on you? And they don't challenge themselves enough, men. And they keep blaming the women saying, you're not giving me the right amount of attention. Like, no, it's he's exercising a right to choose just like you can, right? So there's no need to be angry here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of that scarcity mindset too, isn't it? Instead of abundance. Oh, man, you hit a good one right there. And this is this is what I've heard spoken to the men a lot, um, is that when guys have this scarcity mindset, they tend to react in that way. And that's not attractive, right? Like, or it hasn't been known to be unattractive from what I've heard. Because when he's laser focused on one woman, especially if the woman doesn't want him or is not attracted to him, or needs a little bit more time to get there, right? She wants to build a little bit more of a friendship and a foundation um, before she gets, allows herself to be vulnerable. And the man is like forcing it, saying it needs to go this way. It needs to happen. I'm so thirsty. And that shows, right? So instead of approaching it with, oh, I just, I found one girl finally after all these years. And, you know, she's finally talking to me and she's cute. And I finally have my chance and I want to do everything possible to keep her. What you want to do is have the mindset of, well, she's nice, but there's a potential that she may not like me and I'll have to walk away no matter how attractive I find her, right? So let me treat her like a regular person, just like everybody else. And granted on how we move forward, we'll see if there's a need for more. But before I get more vulnerable with this woman, let me see if she even wants to get vulnerable with me. Let me see if she's even consistent, right? And this is when the nice guy comes in slightly hand in hand with that scarcity mindset, right? Oh, I'm super nice. I'm going to be super giving. You're the first girl to ever like me that I like back. And this is a lot like, no, everybody's supposed to have the same treatment, right? Until they show you the consistency that you're looking for, the values that you're looking for, the standards and all of that. And you guys are both partnering and you're both teaming up and there's no need to view this person as a pedestal, right? Or to put them up here. Because the second you put them up here, you start giving them passes. And I've seen people do this too, where they say, oh, well, you know, I can see myself marrying this person. They're already my husband. They're already my wife, right? But you've already assigned a future title to this person. But in the current moment, they're showing you things that you don't want to see. They're showing you red flags, deal breakers, negative behaviors, negative reactions. But because you've already assigned the executive title, you feel like I can deal with this because I'm thinking marriage. And it's like, no, you need to live in a now and every day be willing to say, is this going to be it for me? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to be more realistic about the now. Yeah. It's more, maybe more prevalent with women as well, where yes, the, the, there is perhaps a bit more abundance and women potentially will receive a lot more male attention than a man would yeah. receive female attention. But at the same time, the woman does have that biological window where she's reaching the age of 34, 35. She starts to panic a little bit in terms of... You know what's funny is that I've heard I've heard women tell me this, right? Where they say, you know, oh, well, I'm reaching a certain age. I want to start being careful. Now, 
I, I, I read up on it, you know, cause I've tried to figure out how, what's the validity behind this now at, you know, the, the further up in age for all of us, we should start being a little bit, you know, more concerned about where we want our lives to go. But there are also a lot of women that have broken that stigma, right? Where they've actually gotten past 35, 40 years old and they were able to have kids. They were able to have pregnancies and the babies came out healthy. Not saying I would recommend it, but it is it is not always true for every single woman. Um, but as far as that window goes, I think that's also been kind of a societal, like cultural norm to say, oh, you need to put pressure. Because one thing I'm not a fan of is how when these women have told me they'll go into the doctor's office, the doctor will say, oh, you're pushing a certain age. You should really, you know, think about finding a husband or, or having some kids. No, they say, just worry about having kids. But they don't say find the husband. They don't say fall in love. They don't say make sure the guy is of your standard. They just say have a kid. So now the woman is like pressured. If I don't have a family with somebody now, you know, based on what my doctor has said, then I'm out. And it's like, but here's the thing. You don't just want to have a child because of the pressure. Now, even if that is true, you want to find a man or, you know, match with a man, you know, because I don't want anyone chasing anyone, but you want to match with a man that aligns with their values, right? So what I would say in that aspect is if you feel like there's pressure, maybe figure out more what your values are, right? But still be patient in making sure you meet a person that aligns with that before bringing children into the world. Cause I think it's important to be functional parents before having kids. Right. So to me, that's more important than a, a stigma, right? Oh, you should have a baby now. Fear-based approach never ends well, does it? 100% my man. Yeah. So then in a relationship where there is maybe a breakdown in communication, but the woman has become a lot more aware to her triggers and her internal difficulties or struggles, <clears throat> but the man is still not um, communicating effectively to her. What sort of recommendations or advice would you give to a woman to open up that conversation with a man? So this is, I've seen this very common, actually. I've seen this a lot. And unfortunately, it is one of those, you know, do or die situations. It's like make it or break it. Um, because if the woman has gone through her healing, she's learned her triggers, she's learned from her trauma patterns, and she's gotten to a point that, she can maintain consistency in her standards and adequately communicate. And the guy is not matching her, right? Now he's out, now she's outranked him, so to speak. And then how does she handle that? So what I've seen some women do is they'll try to like pick up the slack for him and they'll say, I'll try to help you learn how to communicate. I'll try to help you figure out your emotions and I'll work with you. But I actually think that isn't always the way to go because I think if the guy is outranked, then there's opportunity for him to grow as well. It's, there's opportunity for him to take those steps. In the American Journal of Preventative Medicine in 2019, when there were 80% of the suicide rates, I don't even know if I can say that, but 80% were accounted for, nearly 80% were accounted by men, right? And 60% of those men hadn't done any type of mental health uh, work, right? So that's over 60% of men that hadn't stepped into a therapist, right? And that leaves opportunity for men to learn how to up their game in communication and learning how to deal with their emotions. But when we have social media saying, don't have emotions, be a guy, be tough 24-7, don't show, don't cry. It's like, okay, but also learn what's causing you to have these triggers, right? So what I think the woman should do to answer your question, because I drifted off a little bit, what I think the woman should do 
is allow him to have that opportunity without bridging that gap for him. She needs to let him know that, hey, I do like this relationship. I like this arrangement. I like what's happening here. I do want to be with you in the future, but you need to learn how to communicate and get your emotions across without making this break. So I need that from you. That's all she needs to do. If he doesn't show up for her, if he doesn't make those steps, what I would recommend or suggest is that she start to emotionally distance herself and start to distance herself entirely because you cannot make him do it, right? You can't bridge that gap for him because then you're going to take away his opportunity from learning. And I don't know if you've heard that saying, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. You don't want to give that man a fish, you know? So let him learn. And if it, if, if it requires losing you, then that's part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a test of the relationship. Exactly, exactly. And going forward into the next months, years ahead, what are some of the barriers to having healthy relationships that, that may be on the horizon that aren't clearly there yet, but the, you can potentially foresee them occurring? Things that may stop relationships. Um, stop I them, think, hinder them, create disturbances. You no, know, you're right. And I think that a major problem that we're going to see potentially is that we don't think for ourselves and we're not getting enough help or mental health help. I think if we continue to use social media and these repetitive videos that continue to perpetuate the wars between men and women, I think if we keep trying to box in behaviors and assign it to a gender, because that's what we do. We take behaviors and we assign it to a gender. We take stereotypes, double standards. We want women to be a way, but we won't change our ways. Women, you have to do it. We don't have to. Men, you have to do it. We don't have to. If we keep, you know, putting each other in boxes and stereotyping and labeling, and we won't ever figure out how to make sure that we meet each other eye to eye and just say, hey, what can we do better? What is your biggest desire from a man? And what is your biggest desire from a woman? What is something that we need to understand about each other that we have in all these years? Because we're still having the same arguments that we've been having for decades. We need to stop having these same arguments and start looking at each other for who we are as people, as individuals. But until that happens, it's just going to decline even further because we're going to keep projecting our our stereotypes and our ideas on the other people and we won't get better. So that's what I can see being a problem in the future is if we don't get that right. Do you feel that women, again, we talk about pressure or social constructs and the pressure that women have felt for the last couple of decades to now follow the career path and move on to the, you know, the corporate ladder, so to speak. Do you feel that that sort of has deterred them from their primal nature of being the caregiver, staying at home, looking after the children, or from the feedback and the work you've done to women, is that something they've, that they're, they're quite happy about and at, at peace with? Do, do you feel like there needs to be a shift towards going back to that dynamic? Or are we on the right road here? Because there's a power dynamic there too with the, with the man and woman. So, you know, it's, I think that as society, you know, moves forward generationally, I think there's there's a um, question on what's a primal 
you know, uh, instinct as opposed to what is a societal construct or a societal socialized influence, right? And I think the problem is that when women were placed into this box of a role of a woman, it was seen as less, you know? And when women tried to follow those roles, they got screwed over a lot, right? Like they got cheated on, they got abused, they couldn't exactly run from their marriages. I mean, I think in the early 1900s, they couldn't even divorce a man unless they had multiple accounts of abuse. So they have they have had to come such a long way. And sometimes I think that's forgotten about, like how many strides women actually had to make before today where now we're just doing whatever, right? But, um, and you know, the civil rights movement, you know, the second feminist wave when they were in the workplace and they were just trying to get their bearings and men were being inappropriate, right? So I think that women you know, they haven't had much of a choice in the matter in regards to trying to make their quality of lives better. And since, you know, both, I think both have had a, a standing point because like since a lot of men haven't graduated from that mindset of the 1920s, then women have not felt comfortable playing that role. So it's like you've got a lot of women who maybe want to do that role, but to what kind of guy, right? And now that they're not finding the guys that are willing to be leaders and to be effective leaders, right? Because there's a leader and then there's a dictator, right? Rules without relationship, dictatorship, right? Leadership is, hey, we fight together, right? Dictator, I'm fighting you, you do what I want. So I think that's causing women more of the, if anything, the hardship is finding a man that is not only an effective leader, but an effective partner and who's going to make them feel like they can trust him to make decisions and to not lose his crap every time stuff goes wrong. So, and I'm not saying that's true for all women or all men. I'm just saying that's what I've seen is that they struggled with, and they struggled with identifying which man is an adequate leader. So, so you feel that women are having to become more masculine while men are becoming more feminine? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that, that's a common stigma as well. Um, and I, Here's what I think. I think that there's an energy approach, right? There's an active energy and a passive energy. So if you see it, the way we've identified femininity is more of like a passive nature. Like, okay, well, you know, hey, you do what you want and, you know, we'll, I'll work with you as you're taking on more of the action. Um, so what I think is happening is that since men or a lot of some guys are not exactly leveling up in how they effectively communicate and stuff like that. I think that women are kind of, they're starting to get further along with that. So if men don't learn how to get there, then naturally they're going to fall behind. Right. So that's where I would preach for men to get better mental health work because they, and a lot of them are so against it. They're like, Oh, therapy counseling. I don't need that. I'm gonna go for a drive, bro. And it's like, okay, but what I'm saying is this is to help you be better in the relationship. I'm not saying this because you're sad. I'm saying, you know, if you want to get better as a life quality, this is something that should become more mainstream now. So because you're not understanding why relationships aren't working out for you, right? Why you're not getting chosen by women, why a lot of things in life, your job, your mental health, why are you sad? Why are you not motivated? Why are you not feeling good? Hey, you need to find that out because that is going to cause you to have a more passive approach to things. Well, things just don't work out. I give up, right? Well, I can't get it right, so who cares? And then you end up doing what? You retreat back into your cubby. 
You know, you go back into the man cave, you watch movies all day, you're eating, you're not, you're not doing anything. I think you need to, we need to get, in order to get out of that approach, we need to figure out how to mentally evaluate ourselves. But until that happens, we're just going to become more passive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going to, going to, towards pleasure to avoid the pain. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think you made a video about something similar about that too on your page about, oh, yeah, talk you know, masculinity. Yeah, it was, it was a good video. Nice one, man. Well, on the topic of videos, you've got some unreal content on your Instagram as well. And I suggest and recommend that everyone goes and checks it out, men and women. And when they are looking for you, how can they find you or where, where are you at usually? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so you can find me everywhere at Xavier Attainment. So it's like Xavier and what should be entertainment, but it's just the second half of the word. So Xavier Attainment, um, I came up with it when I was really young and I never changed it, but you can find me there on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, which I started forever ago, but these are the ways you can get to me. Um, you can even type it in on Google and you'll find me. Nice one. Yeah. You've got a massive following on, uh, well, you've got a big following on Instagram, but you've got half a million on TikTok, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it over, man. Well done. I'm trying, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, there's a need for your voice and your content out there. So thank you for the work you do. And thank, thank you, you for your energy, inspiration, and information here today in this podcast. I really enjoyed it, man. Same here. Uh, yeah, keep keep up the good work. Talk soon. Man. Cheers. Thank you, man. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.